You're listening to a message from Every Nation Canberra. In this message from our Mixed Emotions series, Pastor Joe Sulit discusses the essence of anger. Morning, everyone. How are you guys today? Uh, if it's your first time here, welcome to church. If it's not your first time, it's good to see you today. Why don't you just you know, extend your hand to the person beside you, give him a big hug or a warm hello, good morning. My name is Joe, I'm one of your leaders here and we're Every Nation. We are a family of churches and ministries that exist to honor God by establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, and socially responsible churches and campus ministries in Every Nation. Who among you are familiar with this? This is called the face with tears of joy. As I was going over some reading materials for the sermon, I chanced across this chart which was uh, created by a psychologist named Albert Morabian in the 1950s, and he says that only 7% of our communication is verbal, meaning the voice that comes out from our mouth, and 38% is vocal, meaning the tone of our voice. And interestingly, he said that 55% is nonverbal, meaning the way we look when we say those words. And I find it interesting, and I see the dynamic of that happening right now as I'm speaking to you. You hear my voice, you hear the tone of my voice, and you see the gestures that I do for me to be able to communicate the message to you. And this is true when you're speaking face-to-face -face with someone, right? But in the advent of digital technology, we are missing out that big chunk because when you're on the phone, you're texting or emailing, people don't see your facial expression, they don't see your reaction, right? How we look when we're saying it. If you're talking to someone face to face, you don't need a word or a picture to express that you're smiling, because I presume you'd be smiling if you want to express that emotion, right? But if you're on a phone, it's a totally different thing. And all of us have our phones, and most of you have your phones here with you, and if you've been using that for quite a while, you would realize that the English language is proving to be insufficient to express the feelings in words, right? There's just too many words to write if you want to say, I find your joke funny, right? Just probably do the smiley face with tears of joy, right? And this is how emojis evolved. Emoji actually is a Japanese word which simply means a pictograph. It's a combination of two Japanese words, e meaning picture and moji meaning character. And the first emoji was created 20 years ago in Japan. Emojis allow us to express our feelings in a way that is visually easy to understand. See, when you click on your emoji list, you've got hundreds of different emotions that you can put on your message, right? To be alive and to feel is, is why we're human. And what makes life special is our ability to have feelings about things and people. Now, which of these emojis do you think represent you today? How do you feel today? Maybe some of you are angry. Is there anyone here who just fought before coming to church? It's very common, I tell you. Or maybe you're sad. You're, you're, you're just feeling empty. Or maybe you're afraid of something. Maybe there's an upcoming exam or there's something happening in the future that you're so unsure of and you're afraid. Or maybe you just don't, don't feel anything today. You're just like, I don't care. Right? A lot of people are like that. Or maybe you feel so loved 
And maybe you just want to love and hug the person beside you. Do it if you can, all right? Or maybe you're just happy. Everything's just going so well. And maybe there are times when you, you worry and you're, you're, you're anxious about the future. And hopefully not, maybe you're just sleepy today. <laughs> I also do that sometimes. I can't blame you. You've had a rough week. You've watched Netflix all night long and you force yourself to wake up early and then you, you come here and you sleep. But I hope that, that God will speak to you today about that. Today we're starting a new series called Mixed Emotions. God gave us a variety of emotions, right? And in the next three weeks, we will focus on just three emotions that I know everyone in this room are struggling with at some point in our lives. We are talking about first, anger. Next week, we're going to talk about fear and anxiety. And we'll end it up with depression. My prayer is that we will have a deeper understanding of these emotions and how we should view our feelings in the light of our faith as a Christian. So how do we handle our emotions? How do we prevent our emotions from affecting us? How do we fix them when they're broken? Well, God gave us a variety of emotions, hundreds of different kinds of emotions and combinations of emotions. When we have emotions, it's because we were created to have them, right? We were created to feel these emotions. There was a godly woman who had a strong faith in God. He, she was a Christian for a long time, and she wrote her friend an email, and she said, I feel miserable trying to deal with my out-of-control feelings. Sometimes we get that, right? And she said, I'm having one of those moments when out of nowhere, I'm off the charts, overreacting in anger to things that yesterday didn't even bother me, right? Now, we see this all the time. How can a well-meaning Christian who knows all the basic biblical principles just cry out and give up one day? Why? You see a lot of Christians going ballistic. You see a lot of Christians getting angry. Why? Because of emotions. And the negative emotions we feel, they're real. We cannot discount them. We cannot set them aside. These emotions sometimes make us feel miserable, right? And... The objective is not to get rid of all our negative emotions because that's impossible. You cannot do that. The objective is to control them and change the way we respond to these emotions. As long as we're living in this fallen world, remember, we will have to deal with spiritual attacks. And they use, the enemy uses our emotions to attack us. The enemy uses our emotions to tempt us to sin. Keep in mind that it's normal to experience these emotions, lots of uncomfortable emotions. And your emotions in themselves are not necessarily wrong. See, what makes it sinful is when we choose to respond to these emotions in a way that doesn't bring glory to God. All right? The good news is that God did not leave us in the dark when it comes to this matter. He did not say, I'm going to bring a difficult person in your life. I'm going to make you fight with your wife, and I'm going to make your, your life miserable because of all these conflicting emotions, and I hope you can figure it out yourself. No. God has given us everything we need in His Word to learn how to manage and control our emotions and glorify Him with those emotions. Today, we're going to talk about a very basic human emotion that all of us in this room struggle with to varying degrees. 
I don't think there's nobody in this room who doesn't get angry, right? All of us do get angry at one point in our lives. So we're going to talk about this today. When was the last time you were angry? Be honest. Look at the person beside you because he would probably be the witness to that. So you cannot lie. When was the last time you were angry? Do you know that people around you find it difficult to reason with you when you're angry? Why? Because when you're angry, we all lean to justify our anger rather than be responsible for our anger. You see, when you are angry, you carry a very heavy burden in your heart and in your shoulder. Sometimes, anger is the punishment you give yourself for someone who doesn't live up to your expectations. Anger is the punishment you give yourself when someone else makes a mistake. And today, we will look at the Bible to understand what it says about this raging emotion. It is important to understand what the Bible has to say about anger because we feel it all the time. And thankfully, God's words contains principles on how to help us handle our anger in a godly manner. The first question I'd like to ask you, is it a sin to be angry? When you get angry, are you sinning? Is it possible to be angry and yet not sin? Because people will tell you, don't get angry, that's a sin, right? So the question is, is getting angry a sin? Let's examine one of the most important passages in Scripture with regards to Christians and anger. You see, Jesus, a lot of times in the Bible, was mentioned getting angry, but his anger was righteous, and we know that Jesus did not sin. Ephesians 4.26 takes this idea a step further. It says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. In understanding this command, we need to look at two different things, emotions and response. Our emotions and our actions based on that emotion. Have you ever heard of the angle iceberg? See, when you are angry, oftentimes there are emotions burning, lying underneath that. You're not angry just because you're angry. You're angry because of something. Maybe you're angry because you feel people don't love you. Maybe you're angry because you're jealous about someone else's achievement. Or maybe people always contradict you and you end up always being hurt. Or maybe you're just confused, you don't know what to do and you're angry at the world. People criticize you. There is injustice in your life. Someone harassed you, you're frustrated. People reject you. People are spreading rumors about you. People have lied to you. And a thousand different emotions that burn up inside of us that comes out in the open as anger. Such feelings that you see there are not necessarily sinful in and of themselves. You see, all of these emotions beneath the iceberg are all internal. They're not directed towards other people. But the next logical step for us is to act on the frustration, is to act on the idea and the feeling of being in love. And this external act produces a positive or a negative effect on other people. The context of the verse is this. We must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to our neighbor, for we are all members of one body, the church. 
Paul says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. And we are encouraged, actually commanded, to get rid of all bitterness, the rage that you feel in your heart, the anger, the loud quarreling that you hear inside the households, the cursing and the hatred. And we are asked to be kind, compassionate, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave us. In your anger, do not sin. Paul is saying we are permitted to be angry. He said in your anger, which means you're already angry, we are permitted to be angry. But when we get angry for some reason, we should not let this emotion make us act in a way that will hurt others and dishonor God. You get what I mean? The admonition is not to dwell on the anger. For most married people here, some of you might have made an agreement not to sleep when you're angry, right? Who among you tried to practice that? But sometimes it's hard. You just want to sleep in the other room or probably, you know, turn your back against your spouse and just say, I'll talk to you next week. The Bible says we have to deal with it on the day itself, right? That before we go to sleep, we should have taken positive steps or at least agreed on something and not sleep on our anger. People say, do not go to bed angry. Stay up and fight. <laughs> and people do that. They fight all night. And they go to the office pretending to be happy while they're just, they just didn't have any sleep at all. And it happens. We've... A lot of married people here have been through that, I suppose. I'm one of them. I admit that I've done that a lot of times in my life, but it's true. Do not give the devil a foothold because if we engage in the sinful expression of our anger, we are giving the devil a leverage over us. Feelings don't think. Remember that. Feeling, your feelings, they don't think. They just feel. They, I'm, I'm angry. I'm sad. I'm, I'm lonely. They, they don't think. And everything that we do or say in unrighteous anger are things that we will regret in the end. Believe me. Most of you can attest to that. Sometimes it's easier to be angry than to tell the person you're hurt. Right? You're hurt, but your response is anger. And sometimes it's easy just to be angry at someone because that person has hurt you. And that's very human. You see, a lot of us, we hold on to anger as if there's a reward for it, right? I would have probably, you know, be stooping down with a lot of medals if there's a reward for anger, and most of us would do. There is no reward for it. When we are angry, this is how it works. Our mouth works faster than our mind. Husbands, do you agree? When your wife is angry, the... Mouth works faster than the mind. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not, I'm not saying women are like, women are more emotional. They, they just like to express themselves, right? But it's true for everyone. When we're angry, it's the mouth working faster than our mind. We speak before we listen, and we don't listen when other people speak. We just want to hear ourselves. We should be careful not to cultivate roots of bitterness in our hearts. The Bible says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, loud quarreling, cursing, and hatred. Get rid of all of that. 
what the enemy wants is for us to be bitter and to be embroiled in uncontrollable anger. You know how it feels like when you're just so angry and just, how long you feel that sometimes? Come on. See, in our anger, the enemy wants us to say hurtful words to the people around us. And when you're angry, believe me, you would make the best speech in your life that you will regret forever. How many of you have made beautiful speeches which you have regret in the end because you're angry? You made them out of anger. He wants us to dwell in our pride and fight to win rather than win by not fighting. Cursing and hating other people. Remember, every minute that you spend in unrighteous anger robs you of 60 seconds of God's peace in your life. There should be no room for unrighteous anger in your heart. So whenever you notice a feeling of an uncomfortable emotion, first, don't deny it. Don't deny that you're angry because you are angry, right? Acknowledge it. Acknowledge that you're angry. And this is what I do. In that moment and soon afterward, and I believe me, this really works. Have a quiet time with God through a silent prayer, if possible, in the middle of the fight, in the middle of the argument, when your emotions are raging out of control, just sit for a moment or turn your back, go to your room and just say, Lord, help me release the burden that is in my heart. I want to give it to you. I do that when, when Bing and I get into some sort of disagreement and you know it's leading to something, you pray and it works. Believe me, it works. Our prayer is for God to give us the grace to be kind, to be compassionate, and to be forgiving, just as we have been forgiven in Christ. So what I want to leave with you today are three things. Be kind. Our fight, the Bible says, is not against flesh and blood. You are not fighting with your wife. You're not fighting with your mother-in-law. You're not fighting with your sister or your coworker or your neighbor. Remember, when you see a human being, there's always an opportunity to show kindness. But most of us choose otherwise. When there is a human being in front of you, there is always an opportunity to show kindness. Show kindness to unkind people. It's hard to do, right? It's easy to be kind to people who are nice. But kindness to unkind people, that's a challenge. Kindness means loving people more than they deserve. It means even if that person in the counter doesn't deserve to be treated well, show kindness just the same. When you're angry and you have to use your voice, a lot of us do that, right? Use it for kindness. Don't use your voice to hurt and inflict pain upon other people. Use your voice to show kindness. I realize that there are many times that being kind is better than proving that I'm right. Think about it. There are many times that it's better to be kind than to prove to the person that you are right. Because we want, we want to get even. 
When someone cuts you in the road or someone does wrong to you or someone doesn't give importance to you when you're asking for something, it's hard. But it's better to be kind than to be right sometimes. Remember, even if your kind-heartedness is not reciprocated, even if it's not acknowledged, in God's world, no act of kindness is wasted. No act of kindness is wasted. Did you ever notice that, that in a confrontation, the best answer comes from the person who is not angry? The person who is calm, the person who is composed, you get the best answer from that person. Second, be compassionate. The problem with us is we are all desperate to be understood to the point that we totally refuse to understand other people. When you are angry, you're only concerned about people understanding how you feel. You don't know how I feel. I'm sad. People have rejected me. But have you ever come to a point and stand in front of that person and think by yourself, what is this person going through? What is she feeling or what is he feeling? Hurt people hurt people. And behind the anger, there is always pain. People who are angry at you are experiencing all those emotions underneath that they cannot express. And people who are hurt just tend to be angry at the world. The Bible says be compassionate to one another and put the needs of others above your own needs. That's very difficult. The person that you're angry with is the person that you need to show compassion to. But most of the time, the person we're angry with is the person we curse, the person we, we just shove aside, and the person we put down. Be compassionate to the person you're angry with. And try to look at the person beyond our level of perception. See, when you are in a confrontation, you're only looking at that person from your perspective, from your level of perception. But beyond that, Behind the anger are feelings, real and valid feelings of people who need love. And sometimes we completely miss out on that. We just say that this is such a bad person. I cannot live with you anymore. I'm filing a divorce. Remember, when there is anger, there is always pain underneath. And lastly, the Bible tells us to be forgiving. It's hard to forgive when you are full of anger. It's hard to forget when you are full of bitterness. A lot of people here would probably say, I've forgiven my dad. I've forgiven that person who has done me wrong in the past. But every time you think of him, there's this aching, swirling pain in your heart because you're bitter. And you cannot forget when you're bitter. You forgive someone who's never sorry. Sometimes you say, I will forgive you if you ask for an apology. When Jesus said, forgive 77 times, if they ask for an apology, no. He said, just forgive. Forgive people even in the absence of an apology. Accept the apology that you have never received. It's difficult to do that, but that's what we're told to do. Forgive others not because they deserve it, but because you deserve peace in your heart. When you are unforgiving, you are a prisoner 
of that emotion. You may say, I'm okay. That happened 20 years ago. But you're still a prisoner because you haven't forgiven that person yet. Forgive as quickly as we expect God to forgive us. Forgive because that is the right thing to do. I know many of us here have bitter memories of some person or some event in the past, even bitter memories about ourselves. We find it difficult to forgive ourselves from the many things that we've done in the past. Forgive, forgive, forgive. Now, have you ever felt this way sometimes? Sometimes you just want to be angry? The next time you feel angry, ask yourself, how does God want me to feel today? You know what? Maybe God wants you to be angry. And you ask God, why? Why do you want me to be angry? You know why? Because God uses our emotions to teach us lessons. God uses emotions to teach us lessons. Because God wants us to be angry, but not sin. He wants us to become more like Jesus. See, he wants us to respond the way Jesus would respond. Jesus would respond with kindness, with forgiveness, and with compassion. Don't forget, I rearranged it intentionally so that you won't forget. Have it for lunch, for tomorrow, the day after tomorrow, KFC, that's my favorite. Let every day be a day for kindness, a day for forgiveness, and a day for compassion. And let our hopes, our aspirations, not be anchored on what people say or think about us, but our hope will be anchored only in God's unfailing love. And I just want you to stay in your seat and just ask God, Lord, lead me to your heart. We are all busy with a lot of things. And in that busyness, we miss out on the most important thing in our lives, and that is Jesus. He's always last. Works comes in first. I have to work, come home late. I do this and I do that. Wash the dishes, clean the house, do the laundry. I understand we all have to do that. But let's take a moment today to ask God to rearrange our priorities. And our prayer is, Lord, lead us back to you. You just heard a message from Every Nation Canberra. For more messages like these or to access other resources, please visit our website at iancanberra.org. Like our page on Facebook at facebook.com slash everynationcanberra.